What is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I just wanted to remind you that if you are a podcast listener to the Classic Metal Show or Aftershocks or the Shockwave Skull Sessions, which you all should be, you can now get all three in one location. That's right, one location. It is on the CMS Podcast Network. That's right. Just go to anchor.fm slash CMSPN, as in CMS Podcast Network. Just go there. Make sure you subscribe. No matter which platform you're using, there's links to all of them there, whether it's Apple or Pocket Casts or Breaker or CastBox or whatever. Whatever you use, it is there. So get yourself subscribed to the CMS Podcast Network, and you will get three, I mean three, great shows all in one location. So do it today. Subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network. That is anchor.fm slash CMSPN. Do it! Machine Head and and a guy that used to be <laughs> used to be in Machine Head now has reclaimed his throne in violence. Oh, <laughs> is, is, is the one and only Mr. Phil Demmel. Phil, how are you, man? Good man. Good, man. I don't know if we uh, are reclaiming the throne or anything. I think we were like the court jesters back in the day. <laughs> Whatever the thing that they used to fling around, we've reclaimed that. <laughs> Uh, very good man well Phil, Phil it's good to have you on the show man um both Matt and I are huge fans of everything that you do you oh, know right. and to to the point I we um I'm a we're both huge machine head guys and awesome. seen, seen you play I don't know, dozens of times and um you know and and now but it, it seems like right now you're like the most busy guy in in the pandemic era of rock. Yeah. Like every time you turn around, there's another band and your name's in it, whether it's BPMD or it's the, you know, the thing that you did with Jericho or the, you know, or obviously the violent stuff, you know. Talk about just staying busy at a time where everybody else is laying around on the couch, man. You know, it's uh, ever since I, I left Machine Head, it's been this kind of nonstop just fun filled roller coaster ride and I don't know what's happening next or what the stuff, you know, I don't even know what I'm in line for, but you know, but it's, it's going to be cool. And, um, you know, going from machine head right into the Slayer thing into a, a, an extremely busy Nam for me and doing all these jams with all these killer artists and jumping into the, getting asked to do the BPMD record and, uh, you know, being asked to, be the only guitar player in this band doing these crazy cover tunes and um, man, I I filled in for nonpoint for a couple of shows, you know, and Mm. um, I trying to think back at everything that I've been doing and these collab jams that I've been doing are super fun. Metal Allegiance. Yeah. The metal Allegiance. We did a tour and uh, uh, writing this, you know, violence getting back together, which was the last thing I expected, you know, coming home and, from the Slayer thing and, and enjoying the holidays and then have Sean contact me in January and say, Hey, you know, what do you think about doing some shows? 
and I didn't know what he was talking about, man. I'm like, because I last time I saw him, he was on his. It looked like he was on his deathbed. We held this charity golf tournament for him, and um, he was he was just gaunt and a distended belly, and he looked like my grandfather, you know. And his, um, I'd went up to to visit him. I was going up to see Shine Down up in Sacramento, and I had uh, had his address, so I was dropping in on him, totally unannounced, to surprise him. And I saw him out front, like watering. I was on. He was on the porch, maybe waiting for his dog to come in or something like that. And I was shocked, man. I, I, I literally stopped and was taken aback by how sickly he looked. And this was, this was Sean fucking Killian, man. You know, and and I, I've seen him at his best. I've seen him at his worst, but I've seen him at his best. And he was just this piss and vinegar, full of life, shit talking, you know full of energy dude and to see him in this in this state was super sad and i could tell that yeah i haven't really talked about this much so you guys are really getting the scoop on this well, um, that, that uh he was taken aback that i was just like oh shit you know nobody's really seen me like this you know and i've been sick for a bit and i let him explain what was happening and he explained what had been going on and what his fight was and um so it was Good to connect at that level, but then to flash forward to January two thousand was it nineteen? Nineteen last year. He's wanting to do these shows. I'm all violent shows. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, it's just you know maybe doing a cover of a Sabbath tune with you sitting down, but not. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the band before, sure. but it's mm -hmm. it it's it takes a lot just to get on stage, let alone sing those songs, and mm -hmm. uh, I. I thought it was a huge undertaking on his part. And then once he said he was on board, I had to take him at his word. And then I, we had to recruit everybody else and make sure that they were going to be up to the top. Right. Yeah. Sure. So this violence thing has been, has been super cool. Um, doing some reunion shows, getting to travel the world with uh, some dudes that we was that the last incantation of the band. We have since moved on to uh Bobby Gustafson playing guitar for us now. Mm -hmm. uh, Christian Old Oldie Warbers playing bass for us now. So uh, as the group has gained traction and we got to deal with Metal Blade and we're putting the big boy pants back on, it's not just mm -hmm. jamming for our friends in our in our backyard. Although we did sell two thousand tickets in about you know in a few hours, right? Oh, yeah. Super cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never done that with a with any of my bands in the Bay Area. You know, selling <laughs> tickets in that little of time, and so it was the love that this area has for this band is, and now it's growing. We're seeing it global, you know, with the, with the internet. If the internet was alive back in 1988. Only if, you know. You, you, you know what the big difference was then to now, Phil? I, I mean, yeah, the internet might have given you some, some opportunity to get the word out. But I think the big difference was just the abundance of bands at that time. When you think about, you know, you guys and forbidden and obviously testament and you know i i mean i i used to go to the stone or the omni pretty much every weekend oh, wow. so no no i'm in cleveland now but um but i was back then and um, i used to go to those clubs without even seeing who was playing it didn't matter because you just knew that there was gonna be somebody that that you could relate to musically you know, and and I I saw violence play. I, I forget which one of those those rooms back in like ninety one two somewhere in there, somewhere somewhere in the old days. But um, but 
you know, that, that was what was the big, if there was a reason violence didn't break out in my head, that would be the reason is that there was just so many bands, you know, people started picking their poisons versus just it, embracing them all. Did you see it that way? Uh, kind of. I felt that, you know, us as a live band, uh, especially back in the day at our most uh, cockiest, uh, would we, we would on a level playing field, we would we would open for anybody. And I don't think I think there was a lot of bands in the Bay Area who didn't want to go on after us too. So in the days before a lot of production and and stuff that uh, we would um, we weren't scared we weren't scared to play with anybody. So uh, we did a, a few tours. I think that the fact that we were you know so brazen and cocky and knew it all that when we fired our manager who was friends with everybody in the, in the industry, Debbie Abono, uh, the sweetheart to all. You know that was that was the death knell. That was the that was just like nobody wanted to work with us, and it was and understandably so. So um, we we had a nice deck in front of us. You know, we we got some super one album deals with Mechanic MCA and Megaforce Atlantic, and uh, I feel that we were too big for our own britches to understand our place at that point, and uh, to be here what is it 32 years later and able to have fun and enjoy the music and have it be about that now is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I think we're all grasping onto that and uh, enjoying making this, I mean, this, the songs and I don't want to, I don't want to get into the, Oh, it's the heaviest. Oh, it's crushing. <laughs> I would just say this. We are all so excited about what we're doing and are so proud of, of the tunes that are that are happening now and uh, what we're doing as a group. So it's it's really really exciting. Awesome. Well, Phil, yeah, I, I'm actually I am here in the Bay Area. Uh, I've been here for about ten years now. One of the coolest things I love it about around here in terms of the metal scene. I mean, Chris have discussed this is that you know you always hear about metal being like a you know quote unquote community, but really. It depends on, I think, the geographical location you're at. Because I mean, I grew up in New York. I lived in LA, and it's not like it is here. I mean, the the, the musicianship, the musicians, the fans, everybody here is just—it really is a community. You know, I mean, the band, the musicians are very inclusive. They're approachable. I mean, they interact with you. Obviously, like you do with us, and they're just also very appreciative of the fans. You know, that they still enjoy their music, and of course, the historic relevance to the scene. Uh, obviously, you know, you've toured the globe extensively you've been you know in and around many of the metal circles here in the states as well um in your opinion not really to compare it with any other location but what is it that makes it so special around here with you know the musicians in the scene it really separates i think the barrier from other uh places when it comes to metal because i mean everyone's just so kind of down to earth here and real just kind of really connected yeah i think it all starts in the beginning I'm, you know, I'm wearing the shirt, the murder in the front row, you know, shirt right now. And I, I just rewatched it yesterday mm. uh, because the first time I saw it at the premiere, I was, I was during a metal allegiance tour and I was raged till 7am the night before it was just mm. so <laughs> at the screening. So uh, I rewatched it and I think it all starts at the top. I think it start, starts with, you know, Kirk and Gary and Exodus and uh, bringing Metallica in here with Cliff and having them be part of this too. And I think that the the whole barrier thing vibe was more, I think the biggest rock stars in the area weren't in, in any of the bands. They were the the characters of the scene, the Toby Rages, the Airborne Andes, the, you know, all these 
you know, people that you hear of the Dublin death patrol guys coming in mm-hmm. and you, there was a point in, you know, they set the bar as far as, Hey, be humble or be knocked on your ass type of deal. It's like, okay. you know, everybody's a family here. There are no rock star trips here. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, as time went on, there were, uh, some rivalries, you know, us and death angel had beef, us and forbidden had beef, you know, that we were all on that, you know, there were the first couple of tiers, but they were kind of our, our big brothers. And, uh, you know, I, I played in a band with Zet and, uh, his first band actually. And I watched him grow from, you know, from my band on parole, you know, into legacy and then into mm-hmm. Exodus. And then I saw Chuck come in who was, who lives in Dublin, who lived in Dublin with me. Sure. His brother was in the first, his brother was in violence when I joined, you know, and death penalty. So there's all this incestuous, you know, vibe going on where you're learning from all these people. And they're, you know, they set the bars as far as musicianship because you couldn't suck because people would rip the mic out of your stage. Or I saw uh, this band called Tyrannicide playing, and one of the locals, Jeff Bovey, jumped on stage and hit, just socked the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wow, fuck. So, you know, they set the bar as far as being, being cool and, and being part of that community. And that, like when when you were living here, you know, in the, well, maybe in, in the later 80s, you know, you could go to the Omni, the Stone, the, you know, some of the other clubs, the Mav, the Rock on Broadway, mm-hmm. four or five nights a week, there's a metal show going on. Right. You didn't care. It, you didn't really care who was playing because all your friends were going to be there. Mm-hmm. It, it helped because there was going to be a quality band playing or a friend's band playing or somebody that you wanted to help support. The shows were like five bucks and Mm -hmm. it was such, you just, you were a scene, you knew who you were going to see there and you know, you knew you was going to support. And uh, I, it hasn't happened anywhere else in that, in that sense, it's never going to happen again, especially in these days of of technology and uh, instant gratification. You know, I just, I want to hear blah, blah, blah. Pretty soon you're going to just hit your forehead and go, uh, you know, ruin, Lamb of God, go, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And and you're so right, Phil, back back then, like I said, I never cared who was playing. I, I, I never went to try and I was, I was in the military at the time. I was stationed at Fort Ord. So I was like an hour and a half away. And, I didn't have a paper to know what was going on up there. It was just like, whatever it's, you know, who cares? You would go up there. And for me, I was 20 years old at the time. All I cared about was I could go in the Omni and I could go upstairs and I could meet somebody. Yeah. It didn't, you know, I go yeah. upstairs. I meet Jim Martin from faith. No more. Yeah, more guys are hanging out yeah, or Zach wild would be in there hanging out. Cause he'd be in town or something or the Metallica boys would be hanging out or Exodus or, you know, you guys, it was always one of those as as just a music dork. It was like, fuck. Yeah. This is like how it's supposed to be. And it isn't anywhere that I've ever been, man. It's, it's definitely a time that I wish would come back, but probably never will. Not. Yeah. I'm saying 95%. Definitely not 5%. Mm -mm. (laughs) Well, Phil, let's talk about a violence, man. Let's talk about what's going on in the camp. I um, last I read, you guys had finished recording a couple of songs for the upcoming EP on Metal Blade. I know you guys obviously released the uh, the Dead Kennedys classic, California Ballas, which is a a great job on the video too. I mean, yeah, Sean looks great and there. He sounds great. Sounds um, yeah, he really does, man. And uh, so, just let us know what's going on with in terms of the EP that's supposed to come out eventually on a Metal Blade. All right. Well. Uh... 
we, you know, when all this hit, we, we didn't have anything going on. And, and Sean had recommended that we do uh, the song, uh, the DK song at our, we're going to do a home show in April. And then I got moved to August, as we all know. And so we were going to perform this song at the show as a, you know, kind of a treat. We're doing two, well, we wanted to do something different. And so I, I was thinking, man, we're not going to be doing anything. Let's bring up, you know, Bob and Christian and, and do a video for this tune. We could do it. And we, me and the wife run a bar in, the, in Dublin here called the back lounge. And uh, we could do something, just something, you know, Hey, we're bored. Let's go down and jam or something, you know, right. and all came to us as it came along and everybody's, <laughs> if you've seen the video, because it Oh, it's an anti-mask, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's, like, it's not anti. Everybody's wearing a fucking mask, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it was fun to uh, record the song. Uh, it's the first time that, you know, Perry and I had recorded basic tracks together. Uh, the first time we, we recorded with Christian, he came up and, and recorded us on his Pro Tools rig in our practice, jam, you know, in our jam pad. Uh, it's the first time you've heard Sean sing for violence it's since 1994. We did a demo, you know, but it's been 26 years since he recorded for the band. And uh, so it was Everybody, you know, we we pumped it as this new thing, but we also said it's a cover song, so you know, it's a cover, it's a mm. cover. And people were just like, "Fuck!" We we thought we, you know, they had this all disenchanted that they didn't get a brand new song. <laughs> so, I I love what Sean did on it, and it was great for him to not have this pressure of writing new lyrics and have this. It was a fun thing. It was meant to be fun. I mean, we recorded it in our jam room for God's sakes, and. Uh, so what we're doing now is a five-song EP for Metal Blade. Cool. We don't know when it's going to be released because this is all, you know, insanity right now. Still, sure. I mean, you're in California, so you look outside today, and, and it was what? It's crazy. It's it was Mars here. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly was, you know, I was expecting to see Ash with the chainsaw. You know? <laughs> My boomstick, you know. Uh, uh, red skies. And yeah, it's crazy. felt like I was uh, – uh, I felt like I was just worked like the graveyard shift. If you ever worked graveyard and you just yeah. kind of, you know, you're just waking up, but it seems like it's nighttime. And mm -hmm. um, so anyways, I digress. Uh, so we're writing these five songs. Uh, I write the music. Sean's writing the lyrics. Uh, this, this is just kind of the first things that I'm kind of writing post MH. Um, and I want this, I'm being totally selfish and I just want this to be, Eternal Nightmare style, me writing the music, Sean writing the lyrics, you know, composing with Perry. Perry's in the room. Uh, and so these five are going to be me and Sean. Uh, probably do a full length after that. It'll be all five of us with Bobby and Christian writing too and all five of us uh, hashing it out. But this is, this is something that I just need to purge. I need to make a statement with. Um, and we've got four songs now, three with, three with lyrics. I think four almost complete now. Oh, okay. And uh, there's, like I said, that's the most crushing riffs ever. I'm not going to do that. Sure. I'm just going to say, I kind of said a couple times where if, if a riff don't give me a 10 foot boner, man, then it's not going to make it on this. So every bit <laughs> there <you go. laughs> is, uh, it feels like our first record, because you know, when you do a first record, you've had like three years to kind of assemble the songs mm -hmm. and, and go over them. And I feel like we've had a lot of time on these that I'm 
adding like a harder riff here or adding a little bit here. And the dudes are mm-hmm. like, fuck man, you know, they can be, that's, you got like 10 songs in that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't have to cram it all in. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, some of the riffs I can't play yet because I got to get shit up to speed or I'm just, uh, I even did that in machine machine head. I'd write riffs that I really couldn't write. And Rob's got such a killer right hand that it's just like, well, here's how I'm hearing it in my head, you know, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I'm, uh, uh, I'm playing the riffs on this one. So I got to, you know, I'm, sure. uh, I've been going to boot camp and these past really year and a half, really working on my technique a lot and, uh, getting my, uh, you know, when you play with, you play with Slayer for a bit, you, you got to have your chops. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I took it from, from learning those songs and just kind of stayed on top of it and uh, been doing my workouts. So awesome. be prepared for um, some songs. You're not going to be able to just pick up and jam. They're going to have Very to. Nice. Um, awesome. Well, I think it's really, I think it was kind of a brilliant move in a way to sort of release the cover at first. Like you said, I know a lot of fans were. Thank you, man. You get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, the thing is, is because now the fans can, you know, they've gotten a taste of the sound, the tone. They see that Sean's vocal prowess is still at such a high level. So now it's going to gin up even more excitement I than see. it was before. So yeah. I, I do. I, I think it's a good move. I know a lot of you got a lot of scrutiny for from a lot of fans going, what's the first song of 25 plus years? And it's a cover. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I know it's a brilliant move, man, to do that. You know, obviously yeah. marketing wise. Yeah. In terms of just getting, taste, you know, see. yeah. Um, and in terms of just quickly, in terms of, you know, like you said, you got Bobby and Christian now that are in the picture. So what, um, what brought those guys into the picture, especially now that, you know, I mean, Dean was there for so long. Uh, he was there, obviously, when the band lifted off in the, uh, you know, mid eighties there. Um, what happened with Dean and how, and how'd you get Bobby and Christian to come on board? Well, uh, first, uh, Bobby, um, was approached. I mean, him and Perry have been in contact for 30 something years ever since Perry left violence the first time. And I, I think maybe 91, 92 mm-hmm. no, he was after Rob. So he's maybe 93. Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> but he, he and Bobby had been jamming and trying to get something together. And uh, I think that they were going to jam with Billy Milano right out of the gate. Yeah. Cause Perry kind of rubbed that in our faces a little bit when he was leaving, you know, I'm going to go do some real shit now. And you know, <laughs> Billy and, and I, uh, you know, violence was really stagnant towards the end. You know, we were just beating a dead horse and mm-hmm. he had an opportunity to go do something. So, you know, looking back, I get it. Uh, but they'd been in touch for a bit. Um, we were, uh, uh, it was time. Us and Ray had just reached the point where it, it was time, you know, he, he, we had some fun doing the reunion stuff with him and get to travel a little bit with him. And it was, uh, we were stepping up and, and we had reached our, we had reached the point in our relationship. I don't know how much more I can massage this in the most politically mm. correct way that it was just time for us to break up. Okay. And uh, Bobby was on board. Um, same with Dean. We were, uh, we had a whole slew of shows this year lined up to do. Um, Dean has uh, always been kind of noncommittal throughout every step of the band. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> be it rehearsal or be it whatever, you know, character, uh, awesome personality, uh, looks great on stage. And, um, so we were approaching these shows and he's got, 
you know, a really good job at home, uh, raising a kid, single parent, um, got great benefits, and there was going to be a commitment with him whether he could make it, and it was looking like he was going to miss more shows than he was going to make, or he could didn't know, and it was just like, I'm not sure. And so at that point, too, it's just like, you know, Dean didn't want any big farewells or send-offs or anything like that. So we're honoring that, and uh, it was just time to, you know, this all hits and then all the plans go kaput that we had in line. But uh, I, I don't even think that I asked the band. <laughs> I think that I just <laughs> told wasn't going to make. And I just, I said, you know, hey, Christian, you want to, you know, I knew he was a big violence fan. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time. We played together. I was in Torque and we opened for Fear Factory back in the day. And mm-hmm. uh, he had tried out for Machine Head. And uh, I'd been in contact with the dude, you know, super mellow. Um, fits right in with what we're doing. And uh, I'm glad that he fit in because he was just, I kind of uh, made a unilateral decision. I offered him a show. And uh, mm-hmm. I think once the guys met him and saw him play, and uh, just ridiculous right hand and player and uh, yeah. super excited to what we are, you know, I've got this weapon on the basketball right, right now, you know, nice. that actually in one of the songs, uh, it's called Flesh from Bone. Uh, and it's probably going to be maybe the first one re- released, but I had this riff in the beginning and it's, it's just been me and Harry writing. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all I'm hearing is just, I haven't heard anything with bass or even another guitar at this point. It's just been the one guitar. So I haven't been playing this guitar part and uh, I recorded it and uh, I was thinking it, but Bobby vocalized at first. He's all, dude, why don't you have Christian play that part on the bass? You know, it's, and it's just like, fuck, I have this whole, other element to the band to right. use now and mm-hmm. for him to be part of and and he did it and you know if I had available I probably would play it for you right now but I don't <laughs> it's, it's, I got goosebumps like a literal goosebumps nice. <laughs> awesome. thinking about you know the songs and we have some in uh, um, first pass guitar we got some some good drum tracks they're just kind of pre-production stuff so we got Perry to play the song all the way through and then I uh, laid some layers some some guitar tracks on it so Sean could sing some vocals on it. We got some vocals and stuff and it's fucking, I'm so excited, man. You know, Sean sounds killer. He sounds amazing. He's got this, I mean, you hear it on the the cover, but he's got this cool tone to his voice. It's not, you know, he's balancing, you know, us back in the day. Um, we're way more popular than we ever were back in the day. You know, it's just like, and people are just, if you read the comments on, gosh, Sean sounds great. Ah, everything, you know, even some were just like, everything sucks, but the vocals, you know, and that was never said about our band. Wow. <laughs> so it's like, I don't care wow, if they wow. say that. We say they love Sean, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so cool. Cause that was such a polarizing part of our band was like, you know, Sean was the, you loved him or you hated him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that now he is, uh, I think the world is ready for Sean Killian vocals, you know, and, mm-hmm. and especially with how he's, he's doing it now. I'm really excited, mo- probably mostly in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. because of Sean, it's fucking awesome. Nice. Now, now Phil, with, with obviously the, um, the change with machine head and, and you being, you know, out of that band, 
does that make violence your um, your sole main project? Or I mean, because obviously you've done fourteen hundred projects since you left Machine Head. <laughs> is is violence the the sole main entity now, or, or yeah. are you still looking for that? Um, well, you know, I, I put the BPMD record out in June. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously we can't do anything to support that. We were going to be supporting that. So it's, it's a project. We're not really a band. We're four bros that are jamming covers, you know? Right. So violence is the main, it's the priority and the main focus, I would say. Um, But I've done all these collab jams with all these amazing artists and, you know, those take up time, although they're not the priority, you know, I've, I'm, got two contracts with, you know, two of the bands right now. And the violence is the one that's on deck for uh, what we're doing next. Right. But we also want to do shows when we can. And violence will be the most active in that sense. BPMD isn't going to do that. But um, there are other things that I've done. This band Hale that I've jammed with, with Lomenzo and Chris Adler and Zet. And, you know, we had the opportunity to do some stuff. And Allegiance was going to do some things. And, you know, I'm just a big swingle big single swinging dick right now (laughs) i'm ready to i'm down to bang (laughs) nice man well well phil anybody that has followed your career knows that you know obviously machine head and and i'm not gonna try to even engage into the shit talking machine head thing because i you've done that and we don't need to get into all that well i don't think i have well, no, not not, not sh- maybe you know? sh- talking is the wrong term, but it is what it is. People know why you left. You've yes. made that pretty clear. My my question is for you is my tongue. You, <laughs> <laughs> now, you obviously for a lot of years you considered Rob Flynn a very good friend. I would assume, or at least a friend. Yes, and now seeing the you know, the social justice stuff and the need for attention stuff and catharsis stuff and, you know, all the things that people don't like as fans. Okay. How do you look at that? You know, not, not necessarily at him or if your friendship has changed or whatnot, but how do you look at it as it affects you? Because you are forever going to be tied to, so many great records. I mean, there's a lot of people think the blackening is one of the top five metal albums ever recorded. Right. Right. And, and and so you're always going to be associated with Rob. How do you look at that now? And is it frustrating that you're, that you're associated with a side of him that maybe wasn't there for the bulk of what you were doing? I think that, you know, I, I, I'm not one to, to post about, my religious or political or mm-hmm. social too much right beliefs i don't want and that's just my choice people do um and uh watching words carefully here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i uh you know you brought up catharsis and i've been pretty hard on that record um and i think that people i listened to it the other day uh, not the whole record, but certain parts. There were some leads that I want to listen to, and there's some solos on there that I'm super proud of. And um, and there's parts of that record that are really good and that I'm proud of. Um, obviously, there's stuff that I don't like, and that's, you know, 
that's uh, up to me. As far as being associated with him, I, th- I think that even back in the day, there was a uh, there was a point. God, it was even you know well before I quit where somebody had said something like, and your own guitar player doesn't even follow you on Instagram. And it's like, (laughs) you know, and I did, I stopped following him about a year before I quit. Um, Just because that, that's my choice. I didn't, you know, I don't agree with a lot of what he says or was sharing or, and so, but that somebody had actually took the time to see if I followed him or not and brought it up. And uh, so it's, that's something that I can just turn off. I think that people know me enough, even while I was in the band, even there were songs that I didn't identify with playing them on stage. And, you know, I was try I was thinking that I was hiding it, but I wasn't, you know, there was, is there anybody out there in triple beam and songs that I was just not feeling on stage and I was struggling even faking it going through. And, you know, people picked up on that and that wasn't all on that. That was the coolest thing to do. Um, I could have always pulled what Jeff Hanneman used to do is just fake like you're breaking a string and go behind the app and just drink a hot candy. But um, now I don't think that I'm associated in any of the the bad things or what you're what is being construed as bad. Uh, I think that people have always seen me as an individual, and uh, as far as those things are concerned, I think that being associated with uh, Records like Unto the Locust and The Blackening and Bloodstone and and Ashes to some point um, that, uh, you know, being part of The Blackening and my contributions to that record were, it's, you know, like you said, it's people, people hail that as, as this huge thing. And, you know, the dudes in Metallica were really, you know, inspired by that record. And um, I had a lot to do with that record, whether it's, credited or not or you know recently discredited on their website um that a lot of those songs don't happen without my contributions and uh and the way that i wrote back and you know in the earlier parts and and throughout my machine career was i tried to come up with as much of a song as i could because i know once i brought it in it would get you know finished or moved in a direction or whatever so uh, songs like farewell to arms uh, I was the catalyst for that. I brought in the intro and, and uh, uh, slanderous was the first song that I wrote for that record. And uh, so that was like mostly written the first half, but songs like that and, uh, and beautiful morning, those songs were all brought in by me the beginning to uh, now I lay thee down. That was brought and the beginning was brought by me. And then it, we collaborate later, but these are all songs that, you know, don't happen whether I wrote, you know, 20% or end up getting credited for how much they just don't, you just, the other parts just don't come. They come from this nucleus that, that is formed that is brought in. And that, and those were my contributions in that sense. I'll tell you as, just as a fan, Phil, I remember when the press came, came out for that record before it was out and probably Rob was saying, was was making the comparison to master of puppets and and i instantly wanted to hate it because i was like there's no fucking way it's i the most was the most exactly <laughs> but, but you know i my favorite record ever from machine head is the blackening but my second oh. favorite was the more things change oh that's and, and i was listening and they're saying well this is not only the best machine head but it's the it's like master of puppets and 
<laughs> you don't compare yourself to the great. I don't care what band you are. Metallica should not compare anything they do to Master of Puppets. It's you know, like, there will be, never be another Master of Puppets. Yeah. You can't say that this is our Master of Puppets. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It, it, no because but, it's not. But <laughs> I remember getting it. And wanting to hate it because it was like, this can't be fucking Master of Puppets. Right. And then listening to it and going, okay. <laughs> you know, I really, really like this. All right. It's like the Creeping Death EP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, and, and that has been one of the, the things, you know, about your career is that you may never have been the heralded guy because obviously Rob was the front man, so to speak. But your contributions were clearly understood, I think, maybe not by the metal fans as much as the musicians, but clearly getting that call over every other guitarist in the entire world that would have taken that Slayer gig. You're the guy that got the call, you know, <laughs> and, and I know you probably knew those guys at some, and that had something to do with it, but it's still playing guitar for Slayer. There's, there's you and there's Gary Holt. And that's it. That's still on this planet. Right. Pat, Pat O'Brien. And Pat O'Brien. You're right. So, you know, I mean, that's an illustrious gig and it, it really yeah. showcases that people understand what you can do and what you do do with the six strings in your hand. Thank you, man. Yeah. That was a, I've said it a lot and that Slayer saved my musical career. I don't know if I would have been had, you know, there was a lot of self-esteem leaving that band. A lot of things said about my playing um, that left me just going, fuck, man, am I good enough to play at this level? And uh, getting that call the day after I quit Machine Head, the day, not even 12 hours had gone by that I was unemployed, got the call from, you know, fucking Slayer. And <laughs> so that that did. And also the BPMD guys – having faith in me to be able to um, to be able to hold down the guitar spot for a, for a project like that was, it was a big deal. And uh, it was the most freeing experience being in the studio, doing those tracks and had a lot of fun. And I think it's some of my best guitar work is on that BPMD record. Sure. It's super liberating. And, you know, there's no Floyd Rose stuff for, you know, other than the Van Halen song, but it's, it's, mm. it's just all me in my left hand, which is something that I hadn't done a lot of before. So it was a lot of blues and uh, finding that part in me and having everybody just say so many good things about it. It's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. Awesome. And Phil, I just got one more question before we wrap this up. I mean, it's no secret, obviously that, you know, as and speaking of PPMD, you know, as kids, we had such a different experience in connection with music compared to what we see today with a lot of the, you know, younger generation of music fans, especially in rock and metal, you know, obviously a lot of it's attributed to, you know, streaming and technology, but also I think a lot of it's because parents aren't really, they're not doing a, the, the best job of influencing and encouraging their own kids to listen to rock and metal. Um, you know, obviously hip hop's like the number one selling, you know, musical genre now in the States. Mm -hmm. uh, it's beating out rock for the first time. And we had talked to, um, you know, your bandmate in BPMD, Mark Maggie, couple months ago and he told us that the idea for that album it came from his son when they were sort of yeah. talking about you know i think they heard leonard skinner uh, on the radio or something and it just kind of his idea for it came about and doing those covers and giving them i think a metal uh, makeover i think it's it's really great for the younger generation of rock 
and middle fans, you know, just so they can understand the roots of where all this stuff came from. As a parent yourself, as well as, you know, being a successful mis- musician, have you found it to be easier or harder to have a large influence on your kids musically? Because, you know, like I was saying, rock and metal is no longer, you know, quote unquote cool in younger circles. And, you know, having a dad playing this non-cool music, you know, they could just as easily, re- they could just as easily reject it as easily as they embrace it. If it doesn't align well, you know, obviously musically with their, you know, their peers and their social circles. So, I mean, do you find it as with your kids, was it easier or was it more difficult for them to kind of get into the rock uh, well, music? The four, year, the four year old's too young. So he's not, he's, mm. you know, singing Thomas the train, you know, two, they're four, they're six, they're eight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the 14 year old has gone through, um, he doesn't listen to a lot of music, you know, he's not Mm. pretty shy kid. Um, as we, we got him playing drums pretty early. He was totally into that. We got him in the school of rock. So he, he got into some, uh, who's the, he got into fallout boy. He's into, Mm. you know, a lot of the pop poppy punk type stuff, the happy, but he plays some ACDC, Mm. um, He's not really a music guy, you know, and, and it's okay. so predominant in our house. And he's, you know, he's typical 14 year old. He's, mm. uh, he's doom. He's, you know, whatever the right. fucking names are, you know, and, <laughs> but he has a, uh, in his middle school that he went to last year, there was a, a group of teachers that would get together every Friday at 7am and all these kids would come in and they had four drum sets set up and all these kids had their little practice amps. And there was like 30 of us in there, you know, we're playing back in black and we're playing boys of summer and we're playing, you know, inner Sandman and <laughs> crazy train. And mm-hmm. uh, he dug that and being part of this group of, you know, I think what you said about doing the songs and kind of modernizing them a little bit. I, I think that that BPMD is rec- record has done that for a lot of people going like, Mm-hmm. Make, make, give them, giving them modern tones and a modern feel to them, and people are going, "Fuck, who's this? You know, who's this mountain band?" Or you know, yeah. So it's it's cool opening up. You know, we we sent the songs out to the guys in Mountain. We sent them out. You know, uh, um, yeah. from Ballistic Cold played on the song. You know, he played on Tattoo Vampire, and he's like, "Holy crap!" You know, you guys have suit this up so much. And Ted Nugent gave us an endorsement. You know, he listened to it. Nice. And, Whatever your feelings are on Ted, he's still a rock icon. Oh, yeah. Right. Sure. And uh, so getting the stamp of approval from Billy Gibbons and, you know, their crew is it's just cool that we can hand that down to the younger generation and go, look, fucking 70s were rad. Here's a little s- slice of what we took from it, you know, and right. go back and visit those things. Yeah. No, no doubt. Well, Phil, oh, I want you to go ahead and just let the listeners know where they can, you know, find uh, BPMD music and and anything coming out in the future for violence. Oh, uh, you know, the violence. We're on Instagram, bio hyphen official something or other. I think you've got, <laughs> I think you've got something scrolling yeah, on the bottom here. This is that's probably, the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There yeah. <laughs> BPMD official on all the socials. Um, yeah. Lots of good stuff coming up for next year. Yeah, um, something super cool that I can't talk about yet. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, what else? Check out my my YouTube page, the Phil Demo YouTube page. I've got all these collab jams with uh, some cool artists playing Black Sabbath and Van Halen tunes, and uh, I just did one with uh, Rudy Sarzo uh, doing Revelation Mother Earth. 
mm-hmm. like Portnoy and uh, Billy Sheehan. And so, yeah, lots of stuff coming up. Awesome. Cool. Thanks awesome. for having me, man. That's well, yeah. Thank you, dudes. Yeah, thank you so much, Phil. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.